Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 172. Today's episode is all about the link between food and perfectionism. We lose the ability to have the language to understand our body, and it takes an active choice to relearn. It took me so long to even experience what normal hunger felt like, or to even trust that that was a cue or language or information that I could listen to and act on, because there was no trust there between me and my body it was just completely broken and it's possible I always imagine like visualizing your head your throat and your body and just like climbing down the ladder from your head into your body just imagine taking those steps down the rungs of the ladder just trying to hang out there and see see what's going on because so often we have no idea and we've actively chosen for it to be that way Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. First of all, if you haven't subscribed yet, hit that little button. Subscribing, sharing, and five-star reviews are a really great way to give back if you find the show helpful. They help the show climb the charts, which helps me get better guests. I want to read a review from Tahoe Blue 2. She said, My first podcast and so helpful. With too much time to live in our heads right now, this conversation helped me come back to reality and show me I desperately needed to move forward. Well, thank you so much for leaving this review. I'm really grateful. Today, we're talking about how to make the perfect Instagram-worthy recipes every time. Just kidding, that's not what we're talking about at all. But you might be wondering, what in the world does perfectionism have to do with food? Well, perfectionism is the tendency to hold unrealistically high standards. So while your first thought might be your work or projects you're working on, a lot of perfectionists also bring this mindset into their expectations for their own bodies. It's also a common trait in people with eating disorders, but that's not the only way that it manifests. So maybe you're restricting your food or beating yourself up when you don't adhere to a certain way of eating. Maybe skipping your workout one day feels like a way bigger deal than it should be. Maybe you're always acutely aware of your own imperfections. Or maybe you just spend way too much time trying to live up to your own impossibly high standards. I did all of these things, and then some, when I was deep in my struggle with bulimia. I would wake up and think, I am going to eat perfectly today, which really meant I'm going to eat all organic healthy foods and also probably about half the calories that a healthy human should consume in a day. And the day would usually start out great. I'd restrict breakfast to something really small and healthy. I'd hold off on lunch as long as I could with the hopes that just maybe it could be some sort of lunch and dinner combo. And before I knew it, I was so hungry Any willpower to restrict went out the window, and I was ordering Indian for three with an extra side of naan and mango sticky rice and flushing it all down the toilet an hour later. 
Then the self-loathing would begin. So I'd open a bottle of wine, eat more food, and wait for a new day. Rinse and repeat. It was miserable. And I know that my story is a little extreme, but I'm guessing a lot of you can relate to that tendency to restrict your food. And then when you can't keep up with your own restrictions, you feel like crap. And when you feel like crap, you're more likely to eat your feelings. It just becomes this cycle of misguided intentions and failure and self-loathing day after day because you're holding yourself to an impossible standard. But I want you to stop and think for a moment. What would it feel like to let all of that go? What would it feel like to feel free and comfortable in your body? To trust your body's signals and eat from a place of nourishment? To allow yourself the reward of pleasure food without feeling bad about it, knowing that you can have a muffin without eating all the muffins. The problem with holding ourselves to impossible standards isn't just that we might overeat. It's that we cut ourselves off from our bodies. We start viewing our worth from the outside in, so we shrink ourselves to feel valuable and attractive. The thing is, though, when we're suffering in one area, it tends to seep into other areas of our lives. Like maybe you shrink your personality because you've developed all these feelings of unworthiness. Or you shrink your dreams because you don't trust yourself to accomplish them. Or we get so caught up in comparing ourselves to people that we think are better than us in some way that we stop connecting with people. So what do we do about this? Especially if perfectionism is something we've dealt with for years or even a lifetime, how do we start to heal? Well, that's what we're talking about today. And our guest is Iona Holloway. She's an author, coach, and speaker, and she helps women stop shrinking their bodies, worth, and power through vulnerability, creativity, and breathwork. And she's also the author of Ghost, Why Perfect Women Shrink. Three key things we will learn are how to untangle the lies that we hold about ourselves, how to make peace with shame, and how to build emotional resilience. But before we dive in, I want to invite you to wake up to the morning mind love. This isn't your typical annoying newsletter. Instead, each weekday morning, you get a little inspiration to just set your tone for the day, give you a little positive focus. So think of it like a short note from your higher self. Plus, when you sign up, you get two free gifts, a 30-minute binaural meditation and a little booklet of 30 days of self-reflective journaling prompts to help you grow. And it's all completely free. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, just text the word morning to 33777. That's morning to 33777. And now let's welcome Iona Holloway to the show. Hi, thanks for having me, Melissa. It's good to be here. So what inspired you to start focusing on this idea of food and perfectionism being linked? Uh, I feel like my hand was somewhat forced <laughs> in the sense that it was my life experience, although I'm not entirely sure I had the words to wrap around it when I was in it, nor do I think I ever really identified as a perfectionist in the sense of when I was growing up. It wasn't really how I labeled myself, but now in hindsight, as I look back on all the ways that I was trying to basically be without flaw and the way that I live life in such a black and white way and then ultimately the way that that pressure manifested in just like screaming the pain through restriction of food and exercising um, and all the other ways where I try to shrink my body um, that's really how I came to understand what was actually going on in my in my life 
Um, and it took a lot of really hard work, good work, but hard work to be honest with myself and actually decide if this was the life that I wanted to keep living or not. Um, and once I, again, my, my hand was somewhat forced because my body at a certain point just shut down and I was feeling so broken and hopeless that I was almost at that bottoming out place where I had to do something. And so that's when I started the slow journey of healing my relationship within my body, understanding the reasons why it became a war, and then ultimately really focusing on how I can help women like me who are experiencing the same thing to perhaps begin to wrap words around what their lived experience has been. Because in my experience with the kind of women I work with, the kind of woman that I am, we don't talk about this stuff. We don't talk about anything because verbalizing any kind of vulnerability or weakness feels impossible because it makes us feel like we're broken. And that's one of the things that if you're perfect, you can't admit that. Um, so that's why I'm so committed to this. I know how hard it is to struggle invisibly and alone. Um, and that's why that's why I wrote Ghost. And that's why I focus on this specific expression of what I would call pain in high achieving struggling women. I can relate to this so much. A big part of my journey was overcoming my decade battle with bulimia. And I really do see that as a struggle with perfectionism. I was constantly trying to just sculpt my body, my mind, myself. And in ways, I like that about myself, but there's the shadow side, you know, like I like that I'm constantly on a growth path and, and I like that I'm constantly striving for things, but my relationship with that idea has changed a lot over the years. And when I was younger, I remember just thinking like, I would just compare myself to other people and I would like a guy and be like, oh, but he likes her and she has this, this and this. So I better start acquiring this, this and this. And I'm five pounds more than that person, which means I have to get to be six pounds less than I am right now or whatever it is. And I was just always looking at my body as this project that just wasn't necessarily on my team, you know? And so, and yeah. it's, it's interesting because even now, like I've been, I've considered myself healed for quite some time. There's still things that I struggle with as far as that mindset of I'll feel the little demons come up when I'm in low moments, when I feel out of control. But it's interesting because I was telling you before we started this interview that with pregnancy, my biggest thing is acid reflux. It's just really painful all the time. And I have a feeling it's the remnants from the damage I did back in the day. So for me, it's not just dealing with this journey right now. It's like this constant reminder of like, you screwed up, you did this. And I'm like, no, you're not having compassion with yourself. So then it just opens this whole other level. So I can just feel that. And I know so many people have gone through that same thing. Yeah, and what you just said there, I think, is such a poignant note about our bodies. They are with us all this way. And I call it in the in Ghost, I, I call the, the body a scrapbook. It is a scrapbook and a history book that we do not get to rewrite. We are living with what we have put our bodies through. And sometimes, like in, in my experience, um, my way of controlling my body was not through purging um, or vomiting, but through compulsive 
and extreme forms of exercise. And it's the same thing in the sense of I have this kind of armor, this physical armor that even though I am years into my journey of healing my relationship, there are remnants of this armor still in, in on me, like visibly you can see them and it doesn't matter like how little I train, this armor is with me and it's, it's like melting and it's softening and it's thawing a little bit. And I'm also pretty neutral about the way that my body is evolving as much as anyone who's been and experienced this kind of expression of our relationship with it in their body can be. Um, but we don't get to just leave our body behind. And I think what you said about what you're experiencing with pregnancy is so profound. It's like constantly coming back to and reconnecting with your body in all the ways and phases of of this life and always knowing that we have a lot of work to do to reconnect with a body that we have for a lot of our lives been at war with. Like it's a, it's a lack of trust. We don't trust our body. Our body doesn't trust us. Even after healing and even once we sort of reconnect the mind and the body and the soul, when there's been such a schism and a, and a pulling apart of them for such a long time, you're constantly, I think, trying to fit those puzzle pieces together. And it can be really challenging to have compassion for the version of you that went to war and pulled yourself apart, even when you were doing your best or it felt like you were doing your best in striving for something. The first point you made about perfect and it being, I thought it was really interesting how you talked about that as it being a sort of external judgment. So it was always attached to the ways that other people were and constantly feeling like the measurement had to be in relation to other people. That is the war. That's another war you're never going to win when we're only aspiring to be the highlight reel of someone's body or someone's achievement or someone's partner or whatever it is. We are setting ourselves up to never, to always fail. And um, because how could we ever be perfect in all of these areas? There is no, like, perfect is not something that a human could ever be. And the pursuit of it is one that is just, um, well, I mean, you know, it can lead you down some really, really dark roads and away from yourself, like, so disconnected from who you are and what you have. Um, it's it's a beautiful road home, but it's not without not without loss too. I don't know if this resonates with you, but I underwent a huge amount of grief letting go of trying to be perfect. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help 
on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney Show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney Show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning. It's true with purpose, with relationships, with higher versions of yourself, and it's also true for hiring. The best way to search is actually just to match with Indeed. Indeed is your one-stop hiring platform with millions of job seekers visiting every month, and their powerful matching engine helps you find quality candidates fast. Plus, Indeed lets you schedule interviews, screen applicants, and message candidates all in one place. But Indeed isn't just about speed. They also deliver quality. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. I love Indeed because it makes hiring so much easier. I'm all about alignment in all areas of my life, and that includes people I hire to work in my business. So I need a hiring partner that makes it simple to find candidates with the right skills. And that's Indeed. And what's really cool is Indeed's matching engine gets smarter the more you use it, learning from your preferences and over 140 million qualifications. Plus, I love that I can do all my hiring in one place. It's just one less thing to keep track of between all of the other things. So join over 3.5 million businesses worldwide who rely on Indeed to find great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mindlove. Just go to Indeed.com slash mindlove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mindlove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Actually, I was just journaling this morning about when I'm moving into something exciting. There's still a mourning period for what I'm leaving behind, even if what I'm leaving behind isn't as good as what I'm moving into. And so I was journaling about it with pregnancy because there's just a a lot where it's like, of course, I'm so excited about having this baby and I chose this and this is the path I want to be on. But there's so many things where I'm like, well, like friends will reach out and say, we're doing this girl's trip in a few months. And I'm like, I doubt I'll be able to leave this thing like, in the next year <laughs> at all, you know, and, yeah. and and it's still kind of a concept. I haven't met the baby yet. So that I'm in this weird limbo period, but I totally feel that where that was my relationship with my body for so long that it was really difficult to actually, by saying that was my relationship with my body, there really was none. It was this like dictatorship more so. Yeah. And I really started understanding what it meant to connect with my body just like six years ago, seven years ago, even when I was already on the healing path. And I was doing a lot of the actions, but mentally I didn't feel it. It always felt like I was like this head floating on this robot body, if that makes any sense. Like they were just completely disconnected. And so to now so much of my mindfulness practice is really feeling into my body, feeling my emotions, asking what those things are telling me. And that just was non-existent before because in order to do those things to my body, in order to have that non-relationship that I had before, I had to have just cut it off. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. I talk about this often. It's the whole 
head on a stick living. Like we've been, I think so much of our society rewards this idea of logic and control and, and numbers and that's celebrated. It's like a cerebral way of living. It's like how much control can I exact over the most human part of me, which is our bodies. And in that we lose our humanity and in that we numb. I always say like the mind like that we have we, we speak so many languages the body has a language that none of us have learned or that we have actively chosen to forget if we've been on any kind of, I'm talking any diet. I'm not even saying like going to the extremes of perhaps having something that would be diagnosed as an eating disorder or named as disordered eating. I'm talking about anything that we go on where we're actively using our minds to override what our bodies are trying to tell us. We are unlearning wisdom, like we are we are letting go what we've what we were born knowing. I think I mean it's on theme with talking about pregnancy. I always love the idea, and it's not just an idea. The, the fact that when babies are born, they're born with the capacity to speak and make the sounds of every single language in the world, and then over time, obviously because of the environment they live in, the family, the part of the world they live in they lose the ability to make sounds of different languages because they're focused on mastering that of, of English or Spanish or whatever it is they are in the world. We're not different when we're adults. Like we forget, we lose the ability to have the language to speak and understand our body. But it, And it takes an active choice, like you said, to relearn. I was the same. I pride myself on the override. Robot was a, a badge of honor. <laughs> And I was, it took me so long to even experience like normal hunger felt like, or to even trust that that was a cue or language or information that I could listen to and act on. Cause there was no trust there between me and my body. It was just completely broken and it's possible. And the practices you were talking about, like mindfulness, tracking of felt sense, any kind of internal practice of meditation, Breathwork's one that I use a lot with the women that I work with. Anything that allows us to I always imagine like visualizing your head, your throat, and your body and just like climbing down the ladder from your head into your body. Just imagine taking those steps down the rungs of the ladder, just trying to hang out there and see what's going on. Because so often we have no idea and we've actively chosen for it to be that way. Right. I relate to those breathing exercises. I remember this moon circle that I went to, very woo-woo LA event that I loved. And uh, <laughs> you'd sit there and kind of release what you were releasing at the certain times in the moon cycles. And, and then we'd do this long breathwork exercise where we'd all lay down, this powerful music would be playing. And, and the whole goal was to breathe into the chest, then breathe into the belly and then exhale. So it was like two inhales and then an exhale, like, <sighs> and yeah. it was interesting because as I was going from the chest to the belly, I was about 15 minutes into this breathing exercise. You start to get really tingly. And it was almost like I suddenly felt this release between my chest and my belly. And intuitively, I just had the phrase in my mind, heart opening. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is what it is. And I felt totally different for weeks because I had somehow connected this blockage that I had and maybe the chakra system, whatever it is. And so it is really profound to 
have this understanding and almost have this awareness that that's a hard opening. That was a blockage. Like nobody was telling me this stuff. And you're so right about having, I think I used to look at things as like this process of development throughout life. And more and more, I find the most growth from that process of remembering or realization, Mm -hmm. the self-realization. And we hear that we already have everything that we need, or we just have to remember who we are. And so coming back to that, it's like healing is a layered process. Remembering is a layered process. And so in the beginning of my healing journey, I might have been harder on myself when I realized, oh, I'm not as far as I think I am. And now I have a completely different concept of that where I'm like, oh, wow, here's another opportunity to explore. It's not about healing all of the stuff that we go through all at once. It's about understanding where there's still work that you can be done. And maybe that was your work to find this whole time. Maybe that's why this journey even happened for you. Like I look back at my eating disorder with compassion now because maybe I went through that struggle to be here where I am helping the people that I am right now. So there's just so many different ways to look at the healing process. Oh, totally. I've even, and this is almost like within the last few weeks, I've kind of given up on describing it as a journey. It'll like slip into my vocabulary because it's just something that you hear all the time, the healing journey. I probably I probably used it a lot in ghosts, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but the more I think about it, I view it as a constant like expansion and then always met with a slight contraction as well. There is no linear aspect to any of this. I see it more as like an expanding of our capacity to one, be with, what is here and to to be with ourselves in it and often even if we go through a phase of what you would call growth or understanding or maybe you connect some dots or make some realizations you don't just always stay there there can sometimes be that little contraction inwards and then you move again and I see the reason why I like to think of it more almost as a sphere that's growing in circumference and undulating a little bit compared to forwards and backwards on a journey is like you're right none of it's a mistake none of it is a backslide it's just a remembering to be here to remember who we are and that even of itself when you were saying it's like just remembering who we are so many of the inputs we have about who we are and what our identity is and what we're supposed to be doing are not our own like those are those are storylines written either by those who take care of us the best that they could or didn't take care of us if they weren't available for doing that. And also just like the larger construct of a society that has systems of oppression, suppression. We're witnessing it on so many levels. And these systems live within us too and have told us who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to be moving through this world. So, so much of it, I think, has been for me and from the women I work with, and it sounds like for you, reconnecting to who am I in this? Where, how can I find the me in this moment? Is this true or is this, what, is this a story that I've been told? And being able to accept that perhaps a lot of what we thought about who we were, what we were supposed to be is not true. Um, and it is, it's like, it's a peeling of the onion. I mean, I've heard that said so many times, um, but, but it is it's it's a deepening um and something that I've also been thinking about recently is that even when like I healed the bonfire like I really 
the pain that was exploding in my life is no longer there. I don't have, I mean, I like myself now. I'm pretty chill with food and body. I go through obviously like things like every other human being. But I've noticed still that that story of perfect is still one that finds its way into my life in different ways. They're just a bit more subtle. And because they're subtle and because I've been in it for a while, I can now see it. I never would be able to see that stuff when a bonfire was exploding. So there's always something to lean into or look at. And I also think it's really important to sometimes just chill and be. I think it's really easy to get caught on these How can I do more? How can I heal more? How can I improve more? Um, We don't have to be doing that all the time, in my opinion. True. Sometimes there doesn't need to be an action. It can just be that idea of observing. Like I have been noticing more and more, like a big part of understanding that I'm not broken is that I know that these little demons still pop up, these little thoughts still pop up from the habits I created back in the day. But I don't feel attached to them anymore for the most part. I mean, I've had my moments, but I'm able to just see like, oh, that's a pattern of thought that you created. And now I'm just, I can feel myself being separate from that thought and just notice like, yeah, of course that thought's going to be there. You thought that same thought a hundred times a day for 10 years, you know, And, Mm -hmm. and now I can just sort of let it pass. And it's interesting because I recently got this, meditation headband called the muse. And I took a really long time to get this thing because I thought it was just going to be like another gimmick. I love gimmicks. <laughs> and But <laughs> it, it like actually helps you do this focus meditation and it tracks your brain. And so you get immediate feedback. And this thing has helped me so, so much in meditation just in the last month that I've been using it. I've noticed that even when I'm triggered in real life, more often I, I will go to that like place of meditation where I'm just noticing the thoughts that I have, the things that maybe I want to say, but instead I'm just like observing them and I let it pass completely. And so having that practice and realizing that just because it's a thought in your head does not mean it's true, does not mean there's any bearing. And that idea that you said of really untangling all of the truths that we hold about ourselves and and challenging them. Like, is this really true? The hard part, I believe, for a lot of people is in the beginning of that journey, they haven't yet separated that their thoughts are not necessarily the truths. Like, you still feel so connected to that. How was that process for you going through it when you're realizing, like, okay, is this true? for your whole life before you thought it was true. So what was your process for helping yourself to understand that maybe it's not? Yeah, totally. Um, I resonate very much with the idea that we're bonded. So we're bonded to the stories and the identities and there is no separation. Um, I always talk about like pain and me. We were one. We were one thing. And it was all so tight and close and personal every single thought or feeling that I had was like it felt like an assassination attempt because every single thing the filter through which I thought it was this is what I think this is true about me and this is this is how I'm broken just like you were saying so tight um so one of the first things I really explored um, when I was beginning to become an observer of my experience was this idea of observation versus identification. 
So instead of being identified with every single thought and feeling that I have, really becoming the space, the luminous space that thoughts and feelings are endlessly floating through. Um, and I'm kind of into the solar system. I was always kind of into Pluto and Saturn when I was young. So I like to think of this as the solar system. So I'm the space, these planets are moving around me. Some of them are comets, some of them are asteroids, some are zipping around, some are, some are slow. I'm not any of them and they are not me. I'm, I'm the space that this is existing in. And these are just moments of, of information, perhaps energy, maybe something to pay attention to and also maybe something to just let go. And I was the same. I think that these kind of tools are tools. I think there's like this very sort of conflated idea of what meditation is and what it is to have a practice. Sitting with your eyes closed and being able to internally connect and observe the idea of emotions in your body being not you, but just something distinct is so much easy, more easily practiced in a meditative state or just even in an internal state. It's not like you have to sit there for an hour, but just like close your eyes and be and practice these tools. It's the same with breath work. Like any anything that allows you to become internal and connected and step into that observation role is a wonderful tool. Um, and I think often those little practices and the tools of observation versus identification and that, that kind of thing, we want to gloss over it because we're like, no, let's just like go fix the pain. It's like you cannot even get close to fixing or healing or whatever you want to call it, what hurts until you can observe it somewhat neutrally and understand that it's not you that's broken. So that's why in all of my coaching work, I talk about building the toolbox. We're building tools to be with ourselves so that we can be with what's difficult. Um, I come from a background of like I played division one sports it's like you did not show up on game day without practicing for hours and hours and hours during the week and this work of learning how to be with ourselves or to heal or whatever you want to call it is no different you have to practice when the pressure is off and when it's easy so that you can show up when it's challenging and win <laughs> but it doesn't just happen it's a skill like anything else being a human is a skill when you've practiced and lived as basically a high-functioning robot for a lot of your life. And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks. 
drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back. No questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard, and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says, <laughs> and it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small, and when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MindLove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MindLove. Right. And I don't know if you relate to this, but I am so much more easily able to identify that I was in a lot of pain now than when I was actually going through it. <laughs> like for me, it was just like, that's what life was. And these were my expectations for myself. And this is what I needed to do in order to feel worthy. And I wasn't there yet. And it wasn't this idea. I didn't know how much pain I was in until I was able to step out of it a little bit, even though there were so many days that I'd cry, that I would torment my body, that I would feel too ugly to leave the house, like just little things that start to run your life because you have been giving so much power to this idea that the way that you look needs to reach this standard that is unachievable, that you will never reach. Yeah, I, it definitely resonates. And I'm curious if you even felt like I did, which was I kind of loved being in pain because it felt superior. Like the way that my body looked and the feedback that I got about my discipline um, and my attention to detail and my work capacity, these were all things that for all in all other areas of the rest of my life were just assumed because I grew up kind of top of my class identified as someone who was smart and intelligent I was a straight A student I was good at sports I was good at art everyone just assumed that that stuff was easy for me and the one thing that people didn't assume was easy for me was the way that I was with my body and I got all of this um, sense of purpose and also love from people appreciation from people adulation for people in ways that I never got at any other time in my life. And that was so intoxicating. That pursuit of excellence got me everything that I'd always wanted and never got going up as a competent, not just competent, but like really talented or gifted or whatever you want to call it, 
child and then woman. Like that was the story of my life, story that was given to me, the one I ended up acting out. Food and my body were the one way that people didn't just assume that my life was easy. And I got so much credit for it. And it was like water in a desert. Like I was just crying out for it. So I don't know if you relate to that feeling of getting so much credit and sort of (laughs) ego stroking and even just like broken heart wounded stroking from that feeling of being seen as so disciplined and somewhat superior to other people. It was intoxicating for me. 100%. And people would be telling me how great I looked or how enviable my body was at times when I was also slowly killing myself. Like I was, I remember one in particular where literally I had just eaten a little bit too much food to where I was already having the thoughts that maybe I'll purge this, but maybe I could keep it down because it was this constant struggle of, I'm not going to do it today. But then I would go over a mark or something would happen. And I'm like, maybe Mm -hmm. I will. No, you don't have to. One more bite though, I will. And then somebody said to me, you just look so good. You're so disciplined. Like, I wish I could be like you. And that was my trigger where I was like, well, then of course I have to do this. I need to keep this up. But I'm wondering why do you think it is so much more intoxicating about that? Like this area for so many women, when I was getting praise in other areas of my life, maybe it's just that those other areas weren't as big of a struggle for me or something like that, or I wasn't sacrificing quite as much. What is it about that? Because I've heard that from a lot of different women. It's such a good question. Um, And I don't, I was going to say, I don't know if I have the perfect answer, which of course I don't because no one's perfect here. The pursuit of what is idealized for a woman's body is just something that is, it's in the water. It's something that we've, it's honestly, it's been bled into us. Like, I really believe that like as a, as a, as a species, the observation and critique of women's bodies, it's part of us and it undulates with the times, but it's always something that we have received credibility for long before we were ever credited for having brains or thoughts or opinions we were objects in this world. And I, even though consciously, perhaps that's not maybe how we organize it in our brain, I do think that there is an element to that. Like as women, we have historically been decorations. We have historically been objects or the possessions of someone else. And I don't think that our, I don't think we forget that. And I don't, I also think that we are, we're a social species. And we see it mirrored. So many women walking around in this world. Um, even though my, like my mom, for example, she wasn't a vain person. She like she barely bought clothes because she was paying for me and my siblings to get through school. But she had her own stories and hierarchies about what bodies should look like. And I heard it, and I saw it, and I learned. Um, and so in Ghost, I talk a lot about how as women. We have been wounded together. We have been oppressed together in the ways that our bodies are held up and scrutinized. And actually, I think we are our own freedom too. We can give that, we can help each other with that once we see each other for who we are and start to dismantle this hierarchy of 
bodies that has been imprinted on us. And there's something that I think can be challenging about that is like, that is perhaps not healing that we will experience in our lifetime fully. But that is something that we can pass on to our daughters. It's something that we can move along as much as we can in this lifetime. Um, But it's one of those things that like body neutrality, if that's even a thing, is not going to happen in this lifetime for many of us. But what can we move forward in our lifetime? So perhaps we can help the next generation and the generation of women after that not feel so maniacally attached and their fate determined by what their physical body looks like. I don't know if that's a complete answer, but it's one that resonates with me. Um, That makes a lot of sense because I think a lot of what's changed as I've healed my body is my relationship with other women because they were the competition before. When you're trying to be perfect, you're reaching this standard, looking at other people, seeing what perfect looks like, looking at the media, understanding what perfect is from there. And so you're you're striving to basically, I don't even know how to say it, but it's the comparison. It's this comparison trap. Mm-hmm. And so because women become your competition, there's automatically this energetic barrier. But I know one of the things that you talk about a lot in your book is how we hide our pain. And it, it inspired the title of your book. Do you think that we need to stop hiding our pain in order to change our relationship with other women or connect with other women and see them in different ways? Or are those two separate paths that we need to go down? No, I mean, I don't think there's such a thing as a separate path. I think it's all like interwoven and connected. Um, but I, I do think that the support and experience of being able to bear witness to ourselves and the ways that we feel not good enough and really examining that within ourselves gave me and gives other women like so much clarity around how the ways that we feel wounded inside we project onto other women I think you were what you were saying earlier is such a great example of this idea of scarcity it's like this idea that if a woman looks better than me or has something that I want she's diminished the chances that I can also experience that so for example I used to absolutely despise any woman that I met who I felt in any way was somewhat smarter in me in it in some way had more creativity had a slightly smaller body had a slightly bigger deadlift at the gym it didn't matter (laughs) what it was when they were shining all it felt like was that they were taking away spotlight or potential spotlight on me because when we are wrapped up in this pain every single person is competition especially women there are direct competition and when they shine it dims the light on us that was my that was my that's what happens when like that idea of scarcity is in us and pretty much like i can say this pretty confidently if you've not thought about scarcity in that kind of context it's in you i mean it's still in me i still get that little like it's like throwing water on a fire that kind of like like little sparky moment when I see someone else shining and I'm like oh it's like a contraction in your body (laughs) sometimes still and I think that that's that understanding that another woman and the way that she is in this world does not in any way take away from the worth that I have inside 
we're not competing for slices of a pie that's getting divided up. We are our own pie. <laughs> like other women are their own. We're not, they're not stealing from us. We're not stealing from them. But until we are able to face ourselves and notice the ways that we feel like they are stealing from us, we're constantly going to be fighting for our worth because our worth is externalized by what we look like and what we do and what others have that we don't. Until we really examine the ways that we feel unworthy inside, we will be hunting. We will be out hunting for it in the world and other women are a competition until we until we choose the innate worth that lives inside us. And that is a remembering because that's there. Like no baby grows into this world asking whether it deserves to live. No one's questioning whether that baby should be here. But we do this all the time as grown women. So we have to reconnect to and remember that we are worthy. It's not something that we have to go out and steal from someone else or purchase for that matter. Right. I have felt a huge shift in this as I've worked on self-worth in general. And it's almost been this subtle, gradual change to where I've noticed that I don't get that feeling quite as often or quite as strongly. Like you said, it's it can still be there. It's like our innate thing to, be, to get our claws out or something like that. But I, uh, one thing that's changed a lot over my lifetime has been realizing like in the last seven years, especially, I've had a lot of friends fall away. I've gotten a lot of new, amazing friends. Again, there's the mourning process of like shedding the old me. and But my higher self knows that those needed to fall away because this is who I'm becoming and these people are more aligned with that person. And so with that process, it's it's so different from when I was in my early 20s where it was just like, I need the most friends. Everybody needs to like me. I need to walk into a room and be the center of attention, whatever whatever you're going through. And now it's like, I don't need everybody to pay attention to me or to like me. Actually, I only want to select few, <laughs> you know, like these, I want to attract the right people into my life, not everybody. And so say you're still living from that place of trying to be this perfect specimen those people you attract are going to be the people who value that, not the people who value what you really are. And so you are never quite shining. It's this facade that you've created. And so going through that, I now see other women and I'm like, oh, that's a cool way that they're shining. And I love when people shine in ways that I don't shine at all. And then when they shine mm -hmm. in ways that I do shine, then we have something in common. And so both ways are one's an inspiration and one's this commonality. And so I can find joy in both. And I'm not saying that it always happens automatically. My lower self still lives there. But when I notice that I have these feelings of judgment or competition, what I am practicing doing is stopping myself, taking a deep breath, you know, sending some love to myself, and then just really appreciating all the good about whatever that person is doing, like finding the things to compliment, whether out loud or in my mind, and just sending like energetic love. And there's something about that that I automatically feel it decreases the separation between me and that person. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. I think the one thing that I'd love to draw attention to is when you were saying like there is still that part of you that is maybe feeling maybe things that maybe you would feel shameful about feeling like 
let's just say jealousy or some kind of shame or some something that arises in you when you see another woman and you're like, oh, I, I wish that wasn't there. That is, the, um, you, you said it, and I'm more just expanding on the point, that is the moment to look inside and see where am I not being fully with myself? Because those parts of us that still feel like we're like the light's being taken away or that someone's stealing our shine. These are the parts of us that survived the war. <laughs> these are the parts of us that perhaps got hurt so long ago or made to feel a particular way when we were so small, when we didn't know better, when we were doing the best with the tactics that we had. And they've, they've lived with us, whether you call it like inner child or younger parts of you, it doesn't matter. But these parts of us have been desperately trying to survive in the ways that they knew how. And one of those expressions is food and body. Like that was, that was one of the ways that I coped for such a long time. Um, and that's why when those moments still arise, it's like, okay, what in me is needing my attention? Because when it's whenever it's out here externally, someone's like, I call it, I think in Ghost, I call it the salt shaker. When someone's shaking salt on somewhere where you're still wounded, that's not because their salt is bad. It's because you're wounded still. So it's got nothing to do with them often. Not just, I mean, some people can, I'm not saying every person is for you. <laughs> um, but generally, if someone's making, if someone's like stabbing our system in a particular way, it's an invitation for us to be with the part of us that's still needing that reassurance and that love and care. And that's our responsibility. That's the difference between taking emotional responsibility for ourselves and projecting. And that that's what I would call like emotional resilience, self-mastery, if you want to call it that. The more that we, we can become able to regulate and understand ourselves and not project onto other people, other women, our partners, whatever it is, um, that is work worth that is work worth doing over and over again. Because you're right, it makes you a more realized version of yourself. It lets you shine in the ways that you are always supposed to shine, and that is magnetic. That pulls towards you the people, the opportunities, everything um, that's available for you when you are in that energy of being a more loved self-loved person I'm a big believer in that I agree with that completely I, especially in this last year because it seems like so many people are triggered or offended by things and so one of my main messages has been you know your triggers are your responsibility that is not to say that other people are always right or acting from their best selves but it's your choice yeah. whether or not you give them power over the rest of your day or the rest of your life or how are you letting them affect you right now and so yeah, there's people that are going to be offensive and there's people that have their priorities wrong and they might trigger you in just the right ways that get you. But if you're expecting everybody else to change, then you're always going to be disempowered in your life. You have to be the one that stands up and, and says in the face of adversity, in the face of the most vile human ever shouting all of my worst fears at me, I'm going to find a way to still know that I am worthy, that I am loved, that I am beautiful. And that's my work to do. 
And the more that I get it from somebody else, then that is where you're going to be filling your cup the entire time is by reaching for other people. And the moment they don't give it to you, you're going to collapse. So I really resonate with that message. And there's so much in your book that we didn't even get to touch on today. So I highly recommend that people grab a copy of that. For listeners that are interested in learning more about you and your new book, where's the best place for them to connect with you online? Oh, yeah. Thanks, Melissa. So best place is my website, IonaHolloway.com. There's some cool free stuff. You can check out the first chapter of the book for free if you want to test drive first. Um, I've got a couple of free webinars and resources on there as well. Um, And then I'm also primarily on Instagram, uh, the same Iona Holloway. It's helpful to have one of those names that other people don't have. Um, so you can find me there as well. And you're more than welcome to email me at info at ionaholloway.com. I would be honored and excited if you did pick up a, a copy of Ghost. It's been um, a process to write it. It's both a memoir and a healing method in many ways. Um, and really excited that it's out in the world and mostly so that hopefully women like me, women like perhaps you, Melissa, who have a really strong backbone, are really shining in all the ways in our lives, but perhaps on the inside don't feel quite that way and perhaps don't quite feel that we can show that vulnerability to other people, I think you'll find yourself. I think you'll see yourself in ghosts. Um, So yeah, would love if you checked out. All of the links from this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 172. And today your challenge is to assess where you might be holding yourself to impossibly high standards when it comes to your body. This might be with food, it might be with working out, but ask yourself, what is that internal dialogue that goes on when you look at yourself in the mirror? Do you first notice your flaws or are you noticing the beauty that you have? For most of us, it's our flaws. Don't feel badly if that's what's happening because that's counterproductive. That's just feeling bad about feeling bad. The goal is to start to retrain your mind, to start to replace some of those thoughts. You guys know my story by now. I had a very severe eating disorder and I was so mean to my body, not just in what I was doing to it, but just my thoughts about it. I felt ugly all the time. So when I was practicing this process of trying to retrain my thoughts into more empowering ones, it was almost impossible to look at myself in the mirror and find the beauty unless I had already done all the things like I was a certain weight and I hadn't eaten a lot that day and whatever standard I was holding myself to. So I started by practicing on other people. When we're really judgmental with ourselves, we tend to be judgmental with other people as well. We hold everyone to a similar standard. And so the harder I was on my body, the more I would notice flaws in other people's bodies. So I started by noticing the beauty in other people's bodies. When I caught myself being judgmental, I would replace it with some sort of compliment. Then I started just leading with compliments. So I would be walking down the street and I would try to pick out something that I loved about each person walking by me. The more that I practiced this, the easier it became to turn this sort of attention back onto myself. So however you need to start, there's no right way to start changing the way your thoughts work. 
And the reason you might hear so many different ways to do one thing is because it depends on what resonates with you. So practice this. Let me know how it goes and reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa. So just a little reminder, if you want to wake up each morning with a little more inspiration, sign up to the Morning Mind Love, which you can sign up at right at mindlove.com or text the word morning to 33777. We also have a premium membership. If you love these episodes and want twice as many, go to mindlove.com slash premium to sign up. And last but certainly not least, thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.